everybody. Welcome back to Boozy Bracketology, the podcast of strong drinks, strong opinions, and crowning champions. My name is Chris, and I am your host as we seek to determine the most dominant athlete post-1980, in other words, our lifetimes. And we have moved on. We are out of the baseball bracket, out of the basketball bracket. We've said bid adieu to the miscellaneous bracket, and we are here for the what I would say is the meat and potatoes of the bracket. And we're going to go through all of our panelists, and I'm going to ask you guys to tell me how you doing, what are you drinking, and what is your favorite NFL team? And we're going to start in Huntsville, Alabama. Mike, my friend, give me those three answers. I've already forgotten what they were. No, uh, so tonight uh, I am drinking... Well, I'm probably going to regret this, but I've been looking forward to this bottle for a long time. We're recording this on Monday night. All my rowdy friends are here for Monday night. Monday night is synonymous with football. So I have a lovely bottle from Monday Night Brewing, which is a fantastic brewery out of Atlanta, Georgia. This is a weirdly titled beer called The Tiger That Killed My Father. (laughs) But it is a maple bourbon barrel aged mocha latte imperial rye stout what 13 percent alcohol by volume holy crap that sounds both amazing and unbelievable that it exists that is the most Let's complex get... beer i've ever heard of it's the size of a size of a damn wine bottle it is it's it's a pint it's a pint and nine ounces so it's a it's also one of the rare ones that i have it's in a glass not a can so hopefully that little bottle opening came through. I've got a glass for it, but I will take a sip out of the bottle just to give it a assessment here. Oh yeah, this is going to be a fun night. Oh, that's good. God. Uh, what were the other what were the other two things, Chris? I took a sip of this beer and I'm drunk. Uh, how you doing and what's your favorite NFL team? Oh, how I'm doing. I'm doing great. I'm here again. All my rowdy friends are here for Monday night. Not all of them, but a lot of them, and I'm excited to uh, go through this. Uh my favorite uh, NFL team uh, is the team with no name, as it were. I grew up in the D.C. area. I am a Washington football team fan. I'm sorry. Hey, we won the division last year. That's not saying anything. I, I didn't That's say it was. <laughs> Somebody's going to win the National League East this year. It's just things happen. That's true. That's true. We're moving on out to sunny Southern California. Scott from the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast, my friend. Same three questions to you. I'm I'm not going to try to top whatever it is that Mike is drinking, so I'm just going to have water because, <laughs> I mean, I could try, but I would fail because, yeah, there were, so, there were words in there I'd never even heard of in his beer, so... Um, I'm good though. I'm good. I'm excited. Uh, you know, for the the football side of the bracket here, I think this this is going to get really interesting. Um, as far as my favorite teams concerned, man, I learned a long time ago that I can't have those. Um, I it's <laughs> like big, the players move too often. It's just it's what's the point? Like I was a kid. I grew up. I rooted for the Eagles because I love Donald McNabb being a Syracuse guy, and I was in New York. Like I love McNabb, so I rooted for him. And then he left, and then it was like, well, what do I do now? And yeah, I can't do that. I I like players. Tony Romo for the Hall of Fame. All right, let's go. Tony Romo for the Hall of Fame. 
Okay. Well, I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. But again, I had a second sip of this beer, so. There you go. I'm even more drunk. This beer is phenomenal. Eric, my friend, same three to you. I am great. Um, The previous three brackets were were fun for me. Since there's no hockey bracket, I have to really sink my teeth into the football one. It's one of the two sports, hockey and football, that I'm the most passionate about and I've watched the most of. Um, I'm drinking. I'm still recovering. um, So I'm drinking uh, some Snapple raspberry iced tea today. Um, So, you know, no alcohol. I'll just get drunk off the sugar. There you go. There you go. Um, and my favorite team, uh, I, I guess this might upset some people. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, so so uh, wait, we can swear. Fuck the uh, Washington whatever team. Who knows what Guardians? I don't know. What are they going to change their team name to? Whatever they want to pick. Um, go Cowboys. And yes, Tony Romo for the Hall of Fame. Thank you. Uh, we're going to check out after another 8-8 eight and eight season and see if they are, in fact, still them boys. We're moving along. Oh, my God. All right. Fayetteville, North Carolina, you know him, you tolerate him. Tim Dipple, my friend, same three over to you, although we know the answer because you have changed jerseys yet again. Well, first of all, the uh, the Cowboys will probably end up eight and nine this year because there's 17 games. Oh, wow. Season. Yeah, I forgot. Um, but, yeah, uh, so I decided to bust out the only beer in my arsenal that could rival what Mike had. I had it in one of the previous brackets, the – Stone Farking Wheaton Boot Stout. <laughs> I knew exactly which one you were going to say as soon as you said that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The, the, the Woot Stout, that Imperial Stout aged in bourbon barrels. And it is so, so good. It's one of those beers that gets better as you go through the bottle. Like as it warms up just a little bit, that flavor really comes out more. Uh, so the last sip is even better than that first one. I feel like but, we've crossed yes. a a threshold here before you go on, Tim, where it's just the snobbiest beer anyone could buy. I'm just, ah. will somebody, for the love of God, drink a Bud Light on this show? For that God's sake. That sounds like sake. a bracket, a future bracket, snobbiest beer. Uh, Chris, this it's, is boozy bracketology. I, I, Bud Light isn't really that boozy. You know, I, <laughs> Not unless you have a dozen of them. I could pound nine of those and just, I would feel fine. Yeah, uh, but having seen you town nine Miller lights, beg to disagree. My my team is the factory of sadness, the mistake by the lake, uh, the the Cleveland Browns, um, the the 2021-2022 Super Bowl champion Cleveland Browns. Well, your Ooh. other team would have to be the Detroit Lions. So I just feel bad for you. Yeah, uh, Browns. <laughs> We're moving on to Raleigh, North Carolina. Jeff, my friend, answer me those questions three. Right, so remind me which order they were in here. How you doing? <laughs> what you drinking? And favorite football team? All right. What am I doing? How am I doing? I'm doing great. What am I drinking? I'm drinking a uh, Michter's US One small batch bourbon. Um, favorite football teams in North Carolina Courage. Ah. Oh, you mean handag? Oh, we all knew hand-dag. that was coming. Yeah, you, of course we you know all. That yeah, that's on brand. You've been listening to this podcast long enough. Uh, yes. So my favorite handag team is the uh, like Mike, the Washington football team. Uh, as a DC area native, um, 
And, you know, if Tony Romo makes the Hall of Fame, uh, may not be as a quarterback. It may be as a uh, place kick holder. Yes. Bravo. I don't think he's that bad in the booth. He could make it as an announcer. He's not terrible. But you know what? You know what? Before we get into this, I just wanted to sit here and bask right now in the glory of being your defending Super Bowl champion, uh-huh. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bring your hate. Embrace it. Let it flow through you as Tampa yet again wins another championship. Oh, it feels good living here. For once, for once, Florida is has something to be proud of and not something to be sad about. Give you know it time. What? Oh, wait a day. We're moving on. So this time we are going to start with Mike and we're going to start with our play-in game to be the 16 seed. Mike, the 16 seed play-in game, are you going with primetime Deion Sanders or Drew Brees? You know, I uh, my first familiarity with Deion Sanders was actually as a basketball player because he was playing for the Braves in the early 90s, and that was my team. Uh, I think in terms of pure athletic talent. Basketball? Uh, pure athle- I, I did not know that, that he played basketball for the Braves. Did I say basketball? Oh, my that gosh. That beer's this is real a good damn beer. strong. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, we're already off the rails, folks. Uh, no, so... In terms of pure athleticism, you got to go Dion here. But this is not about who's the purest athlete. It's about who's the most dominant athlete. And if you ask somebody who remembers New Orleans in the late 2000s, recovering from Hurricane Katrina and everything like that, and, and what Drew Brees brought to that team and bringing the Super Bowl home to that team and how much that really meant in that era, and just the sheer magnitude of how great of a passer he was. It's really hard to take this away from him. I, I love Drew Brees. My mother really loves Drew Brees. Uh, and I, you know, I, I just ultimately have to feel like I have to give my vote to Drew Brees here. Drew Brees picks up his first vote. We're bringing the next vote over to Scott. Yeah. I mean, Drew Brees is, is the, a sentimental favorite. You know, you don't have to be from New Orleans to have been, you know, rooting for them around that time, of course, with everything that happened. And, you know, this is going to be interesting, this bracket, because naturally the quarterback position is going to be plentiful for us to choose from. And I mean, outside of the center, you're the only player that's touching the ball every single snap on offense, right? So it's very easy for you to dominate the game. In fact, it's actually very difficult for other positions to dominate the game, which I think is a testament to Deion Sanders, who is a guy who really could dominate a game and take over a game in multiple ways, right? He could get you a pick six and just completely turn a game around. He could return a kick for a touchdown and completely turn the game around that way. Um, you know, even his his trash talking and getting in someone's head, you know, could turn the game around. So I think he had a multitude of ways to be dominant and... You know, this isn't going to be a popular pick, but I think I'm going to go with Deion Sanders because I think it's just harder to dominate a game when you're not a quarterback, and I I want to give credit where that's due. And this is called the most dominant athlete bracket, and as Mike said, he did play two sports, one of them not basketball, but he did play two sports. So that's pretty dominant to me. So I'm actually going to give my vote to Deion Sanders. 
Now, prime time has tied it up one to one. We're bringing the next pick to Eric. So Drew Brees, uh, I guess people could call me a Drew Brees hater, but I'm not going to go on that. Um, I mean, he threw the ball a lot. He was on a pass heavy team. I mean, he, he was successful doing it, but I, he, he only had one Super Bowl. He's only been to one. He was never really that dominant guy. You never really, I don't know. It, he just, he, he doesn't have that wow factor for me that Dion does. Dion was the guy that every team wanted when he left Atlanta. He went to Dallas. He went to, you know, once two back-to-back Super Bowls at San Francisco and Dallas. Um, and like Scott said, he was just, he was a dominant athlete. He was just insane. He played a lot longer, retired for three years, came back and still was decent. Um, it's gotta be Dion here. I just hands down Dion. Dion Sanders picks up his second vote. We're bringing the next pick over to Tim. Honestly, I thought Drew Brees was a little underseated here. Um, I mean, we're talking about a guy who owns a ton of NFL records. And some of that is a testament to how long he played. Uh, Some of that is a testament to how good he is. You know, you want to talk about being a pass-heavy team, but he was very successful at the passing. He is... I mean, if you want to give it to Deshaun Watson, you can. He's only played a couple of years. He's the career percentage completion uh, percentage leader at completing a full two-thirds, more than two-thirds of his passes. Uh, the next uh, the next highest, he, Kirk Cousins, Teddy Bridgewater, and Chad Pennington are right there behind Drew Brees. Um, I got to give this to Brees. I hate to do it because, you know, it's the quarterback for hometown crowd zone, Heather. I love to do it because it's the quarterback for hometown crowd zone, Heather. Uh, so Drew Brees for me. Drew Brees has tied this up. It is two to two. And we have a two to two tie. And all of our panelists, I'll remind you, have your buzzer beaters remaining. Is anyone passionate enough to try and sway Jeff one way or another? Jeff, no one wants to use their buzzer beater on a play-in game. Come on, guys. <laughs> I, I, can I use my buzzer beater? Because damn, I have opinions. I'm not I Jeff. Mean, it's up to sure. you. Sure. <laughs> I've uh, discussed that modification with you, Chris. So, I, I think uh, Scott's touched on a really interesting thing about this bracket, which is you know that that out of the four, I think it's the hardest one because it's very difficult to be dominant in football. Re- really of football because you've got 11 guys on the field and but you know the NFL it's designed for quarterbacks to be dominant up until though up until about you know, the mid 2000s or so you weren't passing every play like you are now you your your running back still had a pretty substantial role in things but because of how pass heavy it is, you actually your cornerbacks have a decent chance of being pretty dominant. Because if you can be a great cover cornerback, you can take away half the field, and that changes the entirety of of what you're trying to do on offense. Um, Richard Sherman, who I'm actually kind of surprised isn't on this list, uh, is is a good example of that in the modern game where. Yeah, you, uh, there, you had a couple of other guys that had these you know, seasons where they played out of their mind with Darrell Revis, etc. Deion Sanders was kind of the prototype for that 
sort of a a cornerback where you just didn't want to go anywhere near him. You would change the entirety of what you were doing on offense to avoid trying to throw at Deion Sanders. <clears throat> and, and and not just passing either. You'd avoid trying to kick to the bastard because yes. you were afraid he was going to run something back on you. Uh, so I, I think you got you got to grade this a little bit on a curve. You, you've got to you know, look at it and say, all right, a very good quarterback versus someone capable of changing the game from a position that isn't quarterback. That's really hard to do, and I think I've got to give it to Dion here for that reason. Oh, thank God. At no point in Drew Brees' career would you say he was the most dominant quarterback of that point in time. At most, he was third or fourth. He was always behind Brady and Manning, and probably for the latter part of his career, behind Rodgers as well. At some point, he might have been behind Phillip Rivers. I don't know. But Neon Dion redefined how a cornerback is played in the NFL. He is a dominant athlete. He was a two-sport star. I'm happy you all made a good decision. I'm off my horse. That's all I will say on the matter. We're moving on. Prime time. Deion Sanders is the 16th seed. He is going up against the number one seed in the football portion of the bracket, Mr. Tom Brady, and we're going to start with Scott. This one's tough. For, it's actually tougher than it should be for me. Um, up until a few years ago, I think I probably would have voted for Deion Sanders because it, you know, it was the whole Brady Belichick thing, right? It was, it, you know, what, which came first, right? I mean, it, it's one with is can you have one without the other? And we know now that you can, right? Chris, Chris will tell you that. Um, we know now that that you can have one without the other. And I have to give Brady credit where credit's due. You know, he left and he proved himself that it wasn't just the Patriots system. It wasn't the mystique of, of Foxborough, Gillette Stadium. It wasn't any of that. It wasn't Tuck Rule. It, it wasn't Spygate. It was, you know, he had, he was the, the most important piece of that entire Patriots dynasty puzzle. So my vote's for Tom Brady. I don't want it to be, but it is. Tom Brady has his first vote. Eric, you're up. Um, I, I mean, Dion's great. It, it, it is, but it, Tom Brady is the goat. I mean, that's what people call it. He's the goat. He's the greatest of all time. It's, it's just, I was the biggest Brady hater from the very beginning. I'm like, it's a system quarterback. He checks down all the time. It's just, it, it, he's going to be exposed eventually. And now we're 20 years into this. I'm still waiting for him to get exposed. And it's just, it hasn't happened. I don't think it's ever going to happen because, um, you know, he'll probably be retired in 10 years, hopefully. Um, yeah. But he's made money for so many different people. Wes Welker. Who was Wes Welker before Tom Brady? No one knows who he was. Julian Edelman. All these guys. Deion Branch. Troy Brown. Like, just, he's only had one receiver, what, one year? Randy Moss, two years? And that was it. And he showed what he could do when he actually gave him a weapon. Um, it's Tom Brady. Tom Brady has another vote. We're bringing the next pick over to Tim. Yeah, so... I... 
I hate to do this because on the one hand, Tom Brady is the GOAT. You know, we were talking the basketball bracket, you know, who's the next who's the next Jordan? Who's the next Jordan? Tom Brady just is. Nobody's saying, oh, this guy's the next Tom Brady yet, because Tom Brady is still dominating at 400 years old. But on the other hand, can I really vote for a guy from Michigan? Yeah. Can I really, really vote for a guy from Michigan? Unfortunately, I think I have to, uh, simply because... I don't know that there's anybody on here who has an argument that that could beat Brady. Uh, and it's certainly not Dion. Dion is a fantastic player, but it's Brady. Brady, three to nothing. We're moving the next pick over to Jeff. Tim, you're clearly a stronger man than I am, given my vote against Jordan just because fuck UNC in the last uh, <laughs> episode. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you know, Scott touched on something that, yeah, maybe pre-2019 even, I, I would have voted against Brady. Because you, you were never that terrified of Brady himself. You were terrified of the Patriots, but you weren't terrified of Brady specifically. And then this past season, he, at age 40-something, goes out and drags a mediocre Tampa team kicking and screaming to the championship. Uh, so, okay, maybe he actually was pretty damn good. Uh, I'll at least move him on for a round because of that. I'm, I'm still not sold that he's the greatest of all time, uh, just in terms of quarterbacking talent. Uh, he is a very good quarterback in an excellent situation most of the time, but he, he deserves to move on in this matchup. You are a Washington football team fan, sir. Watch who the hell you're calling mediocre. You snub oh, no, I know, bastard. I know that Washington sucks. <laughs> and that's why I recognize suck. Look, suck, recognize, suck, right? Game, recognize, game. Suck, recognize, suck. <laughs> There's a joke there. <clears throat> the the number one defense projected for next year and one of the top five defenses in football last year. But yeah, mediocre. Yes, 100%. All right, moving on to Mike. In Jeff's defense, I don't think Brady had a whole lot to do with the defense. Uh, he called it a mediocre football team, not a mediocre mediocre offense. Touche, touche. I mean... And that's literally what I have written down. I wrote, I mean, dot, dot, dot. Seven Super Bowl titles in nine tries. <laughs> it's, that's, it's really hard to take, take away from that. I, I, it's, it just is. I, Brady's the one seed for a reason. He's got to move past the first round. Uh, Deion Sanders, tremendous athlete. I uh, didn't get a chance to say enough about that because I stumbled over what sport, what the other sport that wasn't football was that he played. But uh, nonetheless, yeah, give Brady the sweep. Move him on. Brady gets the sweep. He is moving along and we are moving along. And we're going to start with Eric on this next one. Eric, you're choosing between the eight seed of Bruce Smith or the nine seed of Brett Favre. This is difficult because it's got that. It's got that your quarterback and your, your defensive end. 
Bruce Smith was a freak of nature. His size, his speed, it was just, it was unreal to watch. I live in Buffalo. I'm not a Bills fan, but I've seen his, almost his entire career. And it was crazy to watch him. It was just his power. It it was insane. Brett Favre, on the other hand, was he as great as, I don't have him much higher than Drew Brees on my list as far as, you know, great quarterbacks of all time. He threw the ball a lot. He threw a ton of interceptions. I just, he, I feel like he's maybe lost more games than he's won. Um, I mean, the, more the close games, not like, you know, whatever. Um, only one Super Bowl. I just, I don't know. I feel like Bruce Smith has to have this just for his, just 200 sacks in his career and just dominance in not being a quarterback and able to change a game easily. Bruce Smith picks up his first vote. Tim, you're up. Yeah, I actually changed my vote on this one um, shortly before we recorded. Um, I was ready to go in on Brett Favre. Um, I think Brett Favre is probably one of the most, I don't know if iconic is the right word, recognizable is more of what I'm going for there. Uh, He's probably one of the most recognizable quarterbacks of all time. But Bruce Smith's 200 sacks. Uh, The closest active player is Terrell Suggs, and he's got 61 to go just to tie him. Uh, That's an insane number. Um, So I'm going to favor defense over offense here and cast my vote for Bruce Smith. Bruce Smith has another vote. We're bringing this next pick over to Jeff. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to describe how much of an impact Bruce Smith could have on on an offense just by being there. Uh, you know, even having him on the field, even when he's not playing, you're, it's, you're shifting your whole blocking scheme to take care of that dude over there uh, instead of you know, doing what you normally do. Uh, so, so having those guys on the field that can just distort the play through their, their sheer talent is, uh, is, is pretty, pretty impressive. So yeah, Brett Favre was always just one of the most fun to watch players in, in the league. I always loved watching him play because you never knew what the hell was going to happen. Uh, but Bruce Smith was probably better at his position than, than Brett Favre was at his. Bruce Smith has his third vote. He is moving along to the round of 32, but I want to hear from everybody. Mike, tell me your opinion. Yeah, Brett Favre was dominant in a certain sense. He was always a part of the conversation during his core playing years. Uh, He had some legendary performances that that one Monday night football game, I mean, several Monday night football games, but the one in particular, y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, But But I still come back to that. uh, I think it was in the very first episode we were talking about baseball. And I think it was Jeff that mentioned that there is a certain degree to which dominance and instilling fear in your opponents are sort of co-related. And Brett Favre, you know, I mean, yeah, you had to make a defensive plan when you're going up against Brett Favre. But I don't think he was terrifying in the way that Bruce Smith was terrifying on the defensive line. I mean, holy crap. Like that he was, he's all time sacks leader as, as was mentioned. And like, do you remember his glare? Like I'm practically crapping myself. Just thinking about it. Dude was terrifying. He put the fear into offensive line 
quarterbacks, everybody. I think you got to give it to Bruce Smith here. And not to mention, he played for Washington Redskins for a couple of years. Bruce Smith, another vote. And we are bringing our next pick over to Scott. I think I would have voted for Bruce Smith if he won a Super Bowl. <laughs> like, he had a lot of chances. Um, you know, Brett Favre, Eric mentioned it. I mean, you know, most interceptions of all time. He was a gunslinger, that mentality. But you know what? With all that said, he would have just one play in a game sometimes where he would just make a throw that you didn't even – he was like spinning around or I, he was doing a spin a rooney and he would land on his head and just all of a sudden make a throw that was accurate down the field that would just change the course of a game. And, you know, to me, dominance too is, is all around. Obviously, yes, I, I think 95% of it needs to be what you do on the field, but – Dude just dominated the headlines every year with this whole will he, won't he retire thing. And, I mean, that was dominant in just a completely different way. That was media domination. And let's not forget all those Wrangler commercials that he dominated screen time with, um, you know, when I was trying to watch my programs. So I'm hmm. going to give my vote uh, to Brett Favre. Not that it matters, but, uh, yeah, Brett Favre. Now, Brett Favre does pick up a vote. And with that, he loses 4-1 to one to Bruce Smith. We're moving on. And, Tim, you're kicking us off here. Are you going with the 5 seed of Barry Sanders or the 12 seed of Ray Lewis? Oh, Lord. Um, this one's kind of unfair. Um, Barry Sanders, he's kind of that running back that everybody gets compared to. But the problem is, is that because of where he played, his career was cut short, so we never really got to establish how dominant he was. Um, on the other hand, Ray Lewis had a long and storied career, and I hate his guts. <laughs> um, as a Cleveland fan, I hated uh, how Ray Lewis just destroyed us game after game um it's it's a it's a it's a defense versus offensive battle again and as much as it pains me to say it i don't think we got to see what barry sanders was really like like how dominant he could be so my votes for ray lewis here ray lewis picks up a vote we are moving our next pick over to jeff um, interesting guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a real killer out there. Um, he also played some football, I hear. Um, sorry, needed to be said. Uh, when, when you look at these guys, I think there's uh, a, uh, a bias towards uh, championship-winning athletes in this particular uh, entire you know, thing of you know, who's the most dominant athlete, this entire conversation. And I think in, in the other sports, maybe that makes sense. In football, it makes absolutely zero sense whatsoever because it is impossible for one guy, no matter how talented they are, to drag an entire team of 22 players on the field and, you know, rotating in and out of uh, all, all the other uh, the positions over the finish line. 
Barry Sanders attempted to do that for a decade at least because this is a guy who played with, you know, maybe there was an offensive line there. Maybe there was a quarterback in Detroit at the time. I don't really know. Uh, They still made the NFC Championship game. Uh, And and Barry Sanders was must-watch television because, you know, the entire blocking scheme around him could break down. He could have been playing with 10 guys pulled off the eight mile and yet he would still make a couple yards because he'd run up and down the field until someone someone somewhere there was a hole and jump through it he had some of the most entertaining four yard gains in the history of the nfl because you know within in the hands of any other running back those are you know four or five yard losses and drive killers while Barry Sanders was able to just keep that alive completely through the sheer force of his own will. And if that's not dominance, I don't know what is. Yeah, he never won a Super Bowl because the Lions as an organization suck. That doesn't mean he wasn't the guy out there who every time he touched the ball was dominating the heck out of the game. So, Give the vote to Barry Sanders here. Barry Sanders picks up a vote. We're bringing the next pick over. Oh, God. Mike, 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 Mike. You're I know. Sir. I know. Beer, the beer is half gone. Wheels are starting to come off. And it wouldn't be boozy if Mike wasn't being just a little bit logically inconsistent. Because there's no argument that Ray Lewis isn't more terrifying than little old Barry Sanders. There's just not. Uh, I scratched out my other joke because Jeff already made it. It doesn't matter. Ray Lewis couldn't get absorbed into a wall of Dallas Cowboys and somehow find a way to squirt out the other side and run it in for a score. If you put more than two offensive linemen on Ray Lewis, he wasn't getting to your quarterback. I would have been really interested to see what Barry Sanders could have done because that was the most elusive dude that I think I've ever had the pleasure of watching. He was so much fun to watch, and Jeff said it perfectly to me. Yeah, the Lions sucked, so they never won a Super Bowl. Barry Sanders is the reason that they were at least somewhat relevant in the early nineties, you know, yeah, they got thwomped by the uh, Redskins in 91, but at the 92 playoffs, 91 season, but uh, they struggled once they got there. But Barry Sanders was the lions for so many of those years in the nineties. And ultimately he just said, Hey, if you guys aren't going to put a team around me, I'm gone. And he left early. Yeah, sure. But uh, Barry Sanders was absolutely in his way terrifying when he got his hands on the ball. I think he's the more dominant player, so he gets my vote. Barry Sanders picks up yet another vote. We're bringing the next pick to Scott. Yeah, Jeff mentioned a lot of the the Barry Sanders runs that don't make sense, right? When you think of from a football standpoint, you want to run forward, not sideline to sideline as a running back, and yet he somehow made it work. Like he, I mean, just constantly on his feet. You could say that he looked like he was running for his life, which makes me wonder if maybe Ray Lewis was lurking behind him during a lot of <laughs> those runs. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know to this day, and I'm obviously a huge football fan. I don't know if I would know the Detroit Lions exist if it weren't for for Barry Sanders, because I don't, you know, I mean, I guess Calvin Johnson aside, they haven't really had a player <laughs> worth mentioning uh, since Barry Sanders. 
And, you know, the regular thing for me, it, it's very similar to, you know, my thought, what my thoughts were on Brady Belichick. It's did Ray Lewis make that Ravens defense or did that Ravens defense make Ray Lewis? I mean, when you're on a defense with Ed Reed, Chris McAllister, Sam Adams, Peter Bulware, Ed Hartwell, I mean, just, I mean, so many great players around you. Yeah, you're, you know, you're going to stand out and the defense is going to be dominant and it's going to get you to a Super Bowl that you win. Barry Sanders is doing that same thing, but with no guys of that cow. I mean, Johnny Morton at like, I mean, Herman Moore was a good receiver. Like I, I don't Scott Mitchell. Really? Like I, I don't. So it's, uh, you know, I, I feel like I got to pick the guy that did it with nothing over the guy who had a plethora of pro bowl talent around him. So give my vote to Barry Sanders. Well, with three votes, Barry Sanders moves to the round of 32. We're moving on to get our last panelist opinion. Eric, what do you think? It's, it's hands down Barry Sanders. There's no discussion. And I just want to point one thing out. Everyone says he left early. He played 10 seasons and that right now would True. be, you know, even then was, it's a standard career. Um, I mean, Sean Alexander played about 10 seasons, Edger and James, maybe 11, Marshall Falk, 11 or 12. So he didn't really leave that early. Um, I think maybe he just knew when to hang it up. Maybe he, there was going to be that standard 30 year old drop off that everybody sees now. Um, but that being said, Barry Sanders averages five yards of carry his entire career. I think that's what his stat line was at the end. Um, 2000 yard season in 97. Uh, it's, he was the lions. He is the lion still. He hasn't been there in 22 years. He's still the lions. Like Scott said, you, nobody knows who the lions are. Scott Mitchell, Eric Kramer, Rodney Pete. That's who he had as his quarterback and nobody was ever afraid of them. So he was running against stack lines, everything. He was just, he was the greatest. I'll say that as a Cowboys fan and Emmett Smith fan, Barry Sanders was the greatest running back. So it's him. Barry Sanders has moved his way into the round of 32. We're moving on to our four thirteen matchup. And this one could get a little contentious. Your four seed, Joe Montana, your 13th seed, Dan Marino. We're starting this one off with Jeff. I think I might have tipped my hand in the previous uh, uh, round when uh, on this matchup when I talked about not giving a crap about who won what championship and just trying to suss out one's individual performance here. Yeah, Joe Montana had a great run. He played, you know, won how many Super Bowls? I don't even remember, four-ish. Uh, he won those Super Bowls while throwing to Jerry Rice and John Taylor and while having Roger Craig run with him. He had a lot of great players hanging around there is what I'm trying to say. Dan Marino was setting passing records throwing to who? Mark Clayton and Mark Duper. Uh, his, his running backs were... Um, I think his best running back was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, not making that up. <laughs> the other Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Dan Marino is another of those guys like Barry Sanders who somehow managed to find a way to uh, control a game despite throwing to guys and playing with guys who were not really up to the task. So sure, Marino never won a Super Bowl. I think he got there once, but never won one. 
but the man set massive passing records that you know only fell because the entire league changed to be more like Dan Marino. Uh, well, surrounded by nothing. So I got to give it to Dan Marino here because I, I think, you know, as, as good as Montana was, Marino had more individual talent and, and it was more terrifying on an individual level. Dan Marino picks up his first vote. The next vote goes again. Mike, you're up, sir. <sighs> Look, Jeff, I love Ace Ventura as much as the next guy. I do. But that's about the only thing Dan Marino has to put him above Joe Montana. Come on. Joe Montana won his first Super Bowl throwing to Dwight Clark. He, wasn't, he didn't have Jerry Rice yet. <laughs> and, yes, Marino did make make one Super Bowl. You know who he lost to? Joe Montana. He got slaughtered. Joe Montana is the guy you want in the big game. But Marino, you put him under center, and all he wants to do is pass. And he was great at it. Don't get me wrong. And oh, by the way, I think you're selling the the Mark brothers a little short there. They were they were pretty quality receivers. Montana was the better quarterback in terms of being the captain of the field, in terms of leading a team forward. And he showed it with the way that he won the big game consistently, the way that he would calm his team down when they needed to make a big drive by looking over into the stands and saying, hey, I think I saw John Candy over there. He was cool under pressure. He led his team in a way that was amazing. I I Dan Marino set tons of passing records, but that was because he wanted that he wanted to pass. He didn't even want a running back around him. That was all he wanted to do. And yeah, okay, you could argue it was partial also partially because the Dolphins defense didn't have a good defense compared to the 49ers. So they were coming from behind a lot. And that's true too. But I don't know. I gotta give it to give this one to Montana. Montana ties it up. It's one to one. The next vote goes to Scott. This one's tough for me. The, this Honestly, I file this in my I don't really care about these guys folder. Um, obviously, it's just a little bit before my time NFL watching wise. Um, you know, I'm not an 80s NFL defensive coordinator, but if I were, I think I would say, you know, if I'm facing these teams, I think going into the week, my game plan would be one, I would say, how do we game plan for Marino? And then I would say, how do we game plan for the 49ers? I don't think I would say, how do we game plan for Montana? Because I do think it was, like Jeff mentioned, more of a collaborative sort of team effort that instilled fear in you. You didn't want to face the 49ers. But when it was the other side, you didn't want to face Marino, right? You didn't, you, no one game plan for Lamar Smith out of the backfield. Like that wasn't, you know, we're, Hey, we're going to take away Lamar Smith. We got a shot here. You know, that no, no one ever said that. Oh, well, if we double cover OJ McDuffie, we, we might win this game. So I, I look at these two just from a pure playing standpoint. And I think Marino's the more talented quarterback. Now, how does that breed dominance? Again, that really comes down to, you know, when it's a QB QB matchup like this, you have to me, I have to go with, you know, what do you have around you? How do you dominate Marino put up all those numbers? I mean, we talk about Drew Brees, right? Drew Brees has all these passing numbers, you know, these passing records now and a pass heavy offense wasn't the most talented guy at his position at any point in time while he played. Whereas Marino, it's, 
well, he had all the passing records. He played in the pass-heavy offense. But I think the difference is that you can make the argument that he was at least maybe the most talented at the QB position during the time that he played. You know, he doesn't have the accolades, obviously, in Montana or John Elway or a lot of the other quarterbacks that he played with. But I think he's more talented. And in a matchup to me that's this close and I'm I'm splitting hairs, I'll give it to the guy from the eye test that I think is a little bit better. So I will vote for Dan Marino. Marino's got a two to one lead. Eric, you're up. This is this this is tough. It's and when you get down into the statistics of it, you think Marino has better statistics than he actually does. Um, but then you go over and you look at Joe Montana's to compare. And his aren't anything either. I mean, granted it wasn't the NFL that it is today, but it's I think he threw Montana threw for over thirty touchdowns in a season once. One time. He's got four Super Bowls. Yes, he's great in the in the playoffs, but are we talking about the most dominant playoff athlete of all time? Because then maybe he has he's got a chance here. But that's I feel like the only thing he has over Marino is the fact that he yes, he went to the playoffs, but like Scott said, those teams were kind of stacked. Um I mean, yes, there's Mark Duper, Mark Clayton, but after that, who? Ronde Gadsden, OJ McDuffie, it's Jim Jensen. No. Keith Byers, running back, Terry Kirby, Bernie Parmalee. Who are these people? No one knows who these people are. So it's I think it's Dan Marino. Just pure quarterback ability, Dan Marino. Dan Marino picks up his third vote. He is going to be moving on to the round of 32. I want to hear from Tim before we uh, move on to our next election. Yeah, um... Mostly this one came down to if I were to build a team, uh, who would I put behind center? And maybe it's just a little bit of nostalgia, but I had Joe Montana here. I think it's a little unfair to say that uh, Dan Marino only had Ace Ventura when he was also in the Hootie and the Blowfish Only Want to Be With You video. (laughs) Good point. But and an episode of Magic School Bus, actually. Um, but I had Joe, I'm going to have to show my toddler that one. (laughs) Yeah. I, I had Joe Montana here. I, I think if I'm building a team, you know, we've, we've got two quarterbacks here. If if these are my choices, I'm putting Joe Montana under Q under center. Joe Montana picks up another vote. Unfortunately, it is too little too late as Dan Marino has clinched his spot in the round of 32. We're moving along to our next pick. Our next pick, we're going to start off with Mike. Mike, you are choosing between the sixth seed of Emmett Smith or the eleven seed of J.J. Watt. Well, only one of these guys went to a nothing Kansas City Chiefs team and took them all the way to the AFC Championship for the first time since they were, Oh, no, wait, that's Joe Montana again, who somehow just lost to Dan Marino. Sorry, Emmett Smith versus J.J. Watt. Refocusing. I'm not going to vote for a cowboy. You guys know this about me already. Look, Emmett Smith, great runner, decent human being, especially for being a Dallas Cowboy. Career stats are unimpeachable, but that speaks really more to his longevity to me than necessarily his dominance of the game. J.J. Watt put the Texans on the map for half a decade as a defender. As a defender. You ask people who barely pay attention to the NFL, and they could name J.J. Watt, I think. I I think J.J. Watt is clearly the more dominant player here, so I'm giving him my vote. 
if you need a reason to impugn Emmett Smith's integrity, Mike, he did go to the University of Florida. Well, you can throw that one in there, too. But that doesn't mean as much to me as it does to you. It means something to me that he was a Dallas Cowboy. If only you went to a school that mattered. Indeed. Football-wise, at least. All right, we're moving on. Scott, give me your take. Yeah, it, this one's tough. I mean, this one has both elements of what we've kind of discussing is is the issue here. I mean, you have offense versus defense, and then you also have a guy that played with other Hall of Famers on the stack team and a guy who played on a team that, I mean, if Andre Johnson gets in next year, great, but have they had another Hall of Famer? I mean, you know, so it's it's that one's tough. I mean, Emmett Smith, I mean, a great running back. I, it, it's Listen, do they win the Super Bowls without him? We'll never know. Probably not. But does he win any Super Bowls without Aikman and Irvin and every? You know, I who knows, right? It's 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 really hard to say. But I mean, and yes, they had stacked offensive lines. I mean, they had everything that you wanted. JJ Watt. I mean, three-time Defensive Player of the Year is that's impressive enough. I mean, winning it back to back even is impressive. It's more than just the sacks, though. I mean, he's a guy that when I watch play, even when he doesn't get a stat on the play. He's involved. He's in the backfield. He may not get to the quarterback, but he's causing a pressure. You know, he's causing a bad throw, even if he's not the one getting to the Or he's triple teamed and a guy like Whitney Merciless, like he's allowed a guy <laughs> with the name Whitney Merciless to have an NFL career. So th- that's also impressive. You know, it's the triple teams that he's commanding that made the players around him who probably weren't as good as you know, the numbers show because everything's tweaked a little bit because they played on the same line as J.J. Watt. I mean, but Walter Payton, Man of the Year, Sportsman of the Year, you know, so many Pro Bowls. I mean, everything he's done for that city. He dominates the entire city of Houston. I mean, he dominated an entire metropolitan area, not just a football team or a franchise. Whereas Emmett Smith, again, you know, you got to give Troy Aikman the credit. You've got to give credit to a lot of other elements for Emmett Smith, whereas J.J. Watt and his just pure individual dominance as an individual defender on teams that, quite frankly, let's be honest, gave him no motivation to play hard. It's not like he's ever had anything to play for. You know, there were no stakes in any of his playing, and yet he still goes out there and he gives it 100%. I mean, you look at his stats, and, like, the dudes miss multiple seasons due to injury, <laughs> and he still has over 100 sacks, and, I mean, still has, yeah, it's, I'm going to give this one to J.J. Watt. J.J. Watts got his second vote. Eric, your turn. J.J. Watts, great. He's great. For five seasons. Five seasons. That's what it is. He, he, he was great for five seasons. Emmett Smith was great for 13 of his 15 years as a running back. Yeah, his Pretty teams good. were stacked. Yeah, it's... Uh, I've heard a lot of people crap all over Aikman for being such an average quarterback. And so who won those Super Bowls? Was it Aikman? Was it Emmett? I mean, I've just heard they're probably the most hated dynasty of all time. I'm saying this as a cowboy. I know I get it, whatever. Um, but is, it's, is it their offensive line that won it? Is it Emmett Smith that won it? Is it Troy Aikman? Who, who Who's responsible? Um, I think out of all of it, I think it was Emmett Smith. If you watch a lot of those Super Bowls, he was the one that really took over those games and made it more so than maybe the defense or Troy Aikman or Michael Irvin, who was doing other stuff prior to the games, whatever. Um, but he, he's, and I didn't even say the most important fact, 
He is the all-time leading rusher in the NFL. Name of somebody that's going to catch him. No one's going to catch him. Frank Gore, if he plays for another 10 years, maybe, at his rate that he's at right now. But that's it. It's It's got to be Emmitt Smith. Emmitt Smith picks up a vote. We're bringing the next vote over to Tim. So, on the one hand, we have a Dancing with the Stars championship. On the other hand, we have Tag. Um, okay. So, I mean, J.J. Watt's a fantastic player. Uh, when he was a free agent, I was hoping he was going to come to Cleveland and play opposite Jadavian, uh, opposite Miles Garrett. We ended up with Jadavian Clowney. A pretty good consolation prize, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I wanted J.J. Watt on my team, but I also want to take uh, Emmett Smith. And Emmett Smith, he's right up there. You know, we moved Barry Sanders along for being one of the most dominant running backs of all time. Emmett Smith is right up there with him. So I've got to give my vote to Emmett Smith here. Emmett Smith has stormed his way back. It is a two-to-two tie, Emmett Smith and J.J. Watt. Your final vote is going to be Jeff, but this is your reminder. No one has used a buzzer beater yet. Does anybody want to try and sway Jeff one way or another? Now is the I'm time. I'm going to use it. Scott? I'm going to use it. I, see, I, I would, I, I'm not going to waste mine because he's already stated that he is a, um, I don't even know the name of the team. Do they have a name? No, they don't have a name. Um <laughs> Uh, some there's a, they wear ugly colors. I don't know, like men dressless pigs and dresses. I don't get it. Um, so I'm not gonna waste mine. Where in Dallas did you grow up? For, grow up in? I grew I grew up in Philadelphia and Buffalo, so I'm Ooh, I know what I'm talking about. Okay, rough childhood. Scott, you're up. Lock in your buzzer beater now. Jeff, you voted for Deion Sanders in the play-in. You voted for Bruce Smith. J.J. Watt's the only player in NFL history to have multiple 20-sack seasons. None of, no, no one else has done it. I mean, that alone should put him over a guy that was a vital, yes, vital, yet piece of a championship-winning puzzle over a guy that, again, completely not just dominated on the field, but dominated an entire metropolitan area for a decade. There you go. All right, the buzzer beater has been thrown. Jeff, take us home. Honestly, Scott, I'm glad you chimed in there because I was literally directly on the fence for this whole time between the two of these guys. Uh, With Emmett Smith, I I, I mean, as the least hateable member of that Cowboys dynasty, like, you know, you could hate hate Aikman because he's like a goober. You could hate Michael Irvin because he's just kind of a dick. Uh, And, you know, there's a certain person who shall remain nameless who I made fun of a lot for having the same first two names as Michael Irvin. Uh, Anyway. uh, Mm. Excuse me. The... you couldn't hate Emmett Smith because he was a great guy, and yet he tore your heart out if you were a, a Skins fan back in the '90s. Every goddamn game, I, uh, you know, I, I hated what he did to us, even as I couldn't hate him. And so, like the level of enmity I had for Emmett Smith speaks to how great of a player he was. But ultimately, Scott's right. J.J. Watt distorts the game every time he's on the field. He just completely blows up what you're trying to do half the time. Uh, and 
yeah, if you want to look at what dominance is, having a defensive end who can completely rip your quarterback to pieces in an incredibly pass-heavy league where having a quarterback who is capable of making throws is just about the most important thing to have on any particular football team. Yeah. J.J. Watt is the uh, the perfect player for this era to neutralize the automatically dominant quarterback. And even if his wife plays for the Chicago Red Stars, and I hate the goddamn Red Stars, <laughs> I still got to vote for J.J. Watt. So congratulations, Scott. Your buzzer beater worked. <laughs> I, I would that. like to point out unofficially, unofficially, Mark Gassineau has had two 20-plus sack seasons, just saying. So J.J. Watt's basically Mark Gassineau at the end. Mark Gassineau also had a uh, mildly unsuccessful wrestling career. <laughs> oh, my God. With that being said, J.J. Watt is moving on to the round of 32. Emmett Smith is still retired, so good for him. We're moving on. Man. We've got three picks left in this bracket. And we're going to go to the wide receiver battle. Scott, you're kicking us off. Are you going with the three seed Jerry Rice or the 14 seed of Randy Moss? Oh, this is see, this is fun, right? Because I grew up a fan of the wide receiver. That that was that. That's the fun position, man. That's where the divas play. That's fun. That's your Ocho Cinco's and your Terrell Owens. Like that's the fun position. That's the position where you don't have to be the most talented guy to be the most successful. Like, no one's ever called Reggie Wayne the most talented wide receiver, yet he's top 10 in, in many statistical categories, right? I mean, that's that's what this is. Randy Moss is a better player than Jerry Rice. I, you can't watch both of them play and, and say that Jerry Rice is more talented or a better athlete or faster or stronger or bigger or more imposing you can't like you can't but i mean jerry rice has the stats right i mean he had the longevity he's the he's the greatest receiver of all time he's the tom brady of wide receivers i mean it, it, it's jerry rice i mean yeah he held on too long right i mean right seahawks fans right raiders fans right broncos fan i mean yeah he he held on too long obviously <laughs> but i i mean he is he's the goat but again joe montana steve young I mean, he had some Hall of Fame quarterbacks throwing to him. There were seasons where Randy Moss had, like, I don't know, Gus Ferrat throwing to him, and he would still put up numbers. So, I mean, it, it's, again, it's skewed, right? It's Jerry Rice played on a team that just had a lot of weapons, and, I mean, their offense was, was automatic. You knew what it was. They went out there. They executed it to perfection, and they did that for uh, over a decade with and, and with two different quarterbacks, and it worked. Worked. Randy Moss, you know, jumped around a lot. He was on a lot of different teams, and he was successful outside of the Titans pretty much everywhere he went with different quarterbacks, different offensive game plans, different systems. To me, that's a testament to him as a player to be able to make those adjustments. When Jerry Rice switched teams, granted, he was like 47, you know, and had the athleticism maybe of a 67-year-old because when he was 27, he had the athleticism of a 47-year-old. This one's tough because I – it's hard to vote against Jerry Rice in a wide receiver category of anything. But I, I just think Randy Moss is the better player. And I think on the field, 
some of the catches you see Randy Moss make and just some of the plays he made, I think he dominated a game more than Jerry Rice did. So my vote is for Randy Moss. Randy Moss picks up his first vote. We're bringing the next pick over to Eric. This this is the Wayne Gretzky effect in my eyes. Um, Wayne Gretzky was great, but I feel like he was just in, in an era where it wasn't the competition wasn't there. If you take Randy Moss and you put him, start him the same year with Jerry Rice, who has a better career overall? I feel like Randy Moss would have would dwarf his numbers. And if you take Jerry Rice and flip it around and start him the same time Randy Moss did, like Scott said, he wasn't the most athletic guy. He wasn't the fastest guy, but he he did it. I, I feel like he'd still have a great career, but I just don't think it would be even close to what Randy Moss did. So with that said, I'll keep this short. I feel like Randy Moss is just an overall better wide receiver, better athlete than Jerry Rice. Is that a vote for Randy Moss? Definitely. All right. Randy Moss up two to nothing on the three seed. We have an upset alert, and this would be, if this happened, our third upset in a row. Let's see what uh, Tim has to say. Not so fast. Ooh, Lee Corso. There you go. <laughs> um, I, I feel like when it comes to wide receivers, Jerry Rice is kind of like... Michael Jordan, in terms of every wide receiver is the next Jerry Rice. Every wide receiver is the next Jerry Rice. Randy Moss was the next Jerry Rice. But even then, it was still the next Jerry Rice. And yeah, we didn't move Montana. And we didn't move Montana on because of Jerry Rice. So I've got to give my vote to Jerry Rice, who apparently made Joe Montana the quarterback he is, who is the standard we still compare wide receivers to. Uh, it's Jerry Rice for me. And with that, Jerry Rice picks up his first vote. Do we have Do we have an epic comeback on our hands? Let's bring it over to Jeff to find out. You know, I actually thought this was going to be a lot closer than it ended up being for me because I remember both of these guys catching balls crystal clear in my mind uh jerry rice yeah dominated the 90s uh 80s and 90s really uh randy moss dominated the knots uh as uh, as receivers uh both of them could could catch anything thrown their way they had amazing hands uh like scott i love watching wide receivers uh possibly because you know I, I, I could never throw run or kick or tackle very well but i have pretty good hands and i could catch most things and so i always liked playing wide receiver in my little pickup football games or whatever um then i looked at the stats and you know i expected all right well randy moss will have these inflated stats because of you know his you know he played in the pass heavy 2000s and started playing those more pass heavy eras jerry rice still caught 12 more balls per season he still had a hundred more receiving yards per season. Despite how much passing the modern NFL does, Jerry Rice is still the leader in career receiving yards and career receiving touchdowns. And while playing in a league where you didn't pass every down like you do now, 
so yeah, I, I, I think, you know, going back to, you know, the way I remember those 49ers teams, you, you're always think, Oh, well, Jerry Rice is going to catch another one. It's third down, but sure, they're going to get a first down because you're just going to throw to number 80 and he'll grab it out of the air. Uh, that that was who Jerry Rice was. He was he's still the greatest receiver of all time, and uh, I think he deserves to move on here, but I guess it's Mike's choice now. Well, it is two to two. Before Mike gets to say his piece... We have another opportunity for a buzzer beater, and everybody other than Scott has one left. Does anybody want to lock it in and try and sway Mike one way or I another? Will. Tim, take it away. I mean, the, what I have to say is not much different than what I said just a minute ago. We we just got done saying that Dan Marino was a better quarterback than Joe Montana because Joe Montana had Jerry Rice. We just got done, but but everybody is compared to Jerry Rice. And frankly, there's no reason why Randy Moss should move on. There's a reason that Jerry Rice is seated number three and Randy Moss is number 14. Jerry Rice is the clear, more dominant receiver. So do the right thing, Mike, and move on, Jerry Rice. Well, it's time to see if Mike is a big Spike Lee fan. Mike, will you do the right thing? Robbed at the Academy Awards. Just going to say that. Um, This was actually, this was a really fun one to come in last because a lot of people that came ahead of me articulated very well a lot of my thoughts. Scott made a very good point about Randy Moss who did he really? Who did he really have throwing to him? He had the, he had like Gus Farad and and those types of people. Uh, uh, you know, he had he sure he had like Randall Cunningham at one point, but Randall Cunningham wasn't necessarily a pocket passer per se. He had one year of Tom Brady, whereas Jerry Rice had Joe Montana and Steve Young, and so you had to take that in, into context. But at the same time, Jeff said my counterpoint to that, which was that Jerry Rice holds all these receiving records and he did it in a non pass happy time of the NFL. And ultimately when I weighed these two things together, that latter fact spoke to me more about which of these players was more dominant in their position. And I think that that's really where I ultimately landed. This was actually Incredibly surprising to me when I pulled it up and I, I started looking at all the numbers and everything. I started thinking about both the players. It was much more difficult than the seating would would suggest, and it was much more difficult uh, than I expected. Just initially looking at the names, but ultimately I really did come back to that initial thing of Tim. I thought made a very that makes a very good point. If we're, we're we can't downplay Montana's quarterbacking ability because he was throwing to Jerry Rice and then turn around and downplay. Jerry Rice's quarterbacking ability because he had Joe Montana throwing to him. It's this circular logic that doesn't really ultimately pan out. Jerry Rice was, yes, he was a member of one incredibly dominant team. And then, as was pointed out, held on too long. We're not necessarily speaking about dominant careers per se. We're talking about dominance in pockets, potentially, depending on how you want to interpret it. It doesn't matter. Ultimately, 
I do have to go with Jerry Rice here and move him on. And the three seed avoids the upset. Jerry Rice is moving on to the round of 32, and we're moving on. We've got two picks left in this bracket. We've got your seven and 10 matchup here. Your seven seed is going to be Walter Payton. Your 10 seed, Lawrence Taylor. We're starting off with Eric. Uh, this one just really didn't speak to me at all because it just, eh. Uh, Walter Payton is a great running back. Lawrence Taylor, I feel, is one of the greatest, greatest sack masters, I guess you could say, of all time. Um, he's got a 20-plus sack season. He's got 140-some-odd sacks in his career. Uh, it's, I mean, Payton was a great running back, but again, if we want to go back to that, you know, stacked teams that people play for he was for the bears and i feel like their offensive line back then was was decent enough to get him the the yards but i feel like he's not even the 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 best running back in this bracket so i i again didn't really speak to me that much but i feel like lawrence taylor has to get it just for his sheer dominance i mean he broke a man's leg lawrence taylor picks up the first vote next vote goes to tim yeah um Mine kind of came down to one very simple fact. We're talking most dominant athlete post-1980, and half of Walter Payton's career is pre-1980. Yeah, he's a great running back, but I'm going to steal some of Jeff's thunder. I'm pretty sure he's going to vote against Lawrence Taylor because he went to UNC. Uh, But my vote's for uh, Lawrence Taylor here. LT, he's got a two to nothing lead. Jeff, is Tim right? You know, I don't really care that much about UNC and football, to be honest with you. My uh, um, my football uh, allegiances will come out in the next round. Uh, <laughs> in in this round, however, uh, I I mean, I think of two great players. Uh, when I think of Lawrence Taylor, uh, another offense distorting defender who uh, um. When I think of him, all I can think about is Joe Theismann's leg. Uh, I I don't know what it, you know, the mental block I have against uh, you know Lawrence Taylor for that reason. I don't know, man. Uh, he's he's obviously a great defender, but uh, you know Walter Payton. You look at you think about the '85 Bears. You, everyone talks about them as the uh, you know, one of the most uh, dominant teams in the history of the NFL. Who did they have on offense? Who was their quarterback? Jim McMahon, maybe? Is that that it? Uh, I can't name a receiver from that team. Uh, I can name Fridge Perry, an offensive lineman, uh, you know, who, who certainly helped Walter Payton along. But no one could sneak through tiny holes the way uh, Walter Payton could. He may not have been like the 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 the, the dancer and elusive. Uh, back that Barry Sanders was, but uh, man could carry an offense uh, with on, on his back uh, with, uh, with just his running ability. So I'll vote for Peyton. Walter Peyton picks up his first vote. Next pick goes to Mike. Yeah. Walter Peyton was absolutely a great running back. Uh, Tim, Tim echoed some of my hesitation uh, just because a great, deal of Walter Payton's career did occur prior to 1980. I don't necessarily think that that 
disqualifies him per se. But what it does mean is that most of us, I would hazard to say all of us, really didn't grow up watching Walter Payton. That doesn't mean it just means that we don't have any nostalgia necessarily tied to him one way or the other. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that, but I think for most of us, it really does, uh, which isn't taking any of the way from him. But I think uh, Jeff talks about how dominant that Bears team was, but the, what made the Bears so dominant was their defense. And in turn, when your defense is so dominant, you spend this, you spend the entire second half of the game running the ball because you have a lead and you know it's going to hold up because your defense is so great. And I don't know if that necessarily inflates a running back stats. Walter Payton was an incredibly good running back despite of that. And so I don't want to take that away from him. But here's ultimately what I come down to. And that is that I grew up playing Tecmo Super Bowl. And one year... I recorded over 150 sacks with Lawrence Taylor coming out from linebacker. And yes, was Tecmo Super Bowl realistic football? At the time, we legitimately did not think we were going to get a more realistic football game. So yes, in that sense, I will say no. But people, every single person has mentioned, I think, about him breaking Joe Theismann's leg. <laughs> You ask Joe Theismann which of these players is more dominant. I think I, I think I know which way he's going to answer. I th coming back to the fear angle that we've discussed earlier. I think Lawrence Taylor is more of the player that you would have to you would have to design your offensive game plan around Lawrence Taylor more than you would have to design your defensive game plan around Walter Payton. And so I'm going to give my vote to Lawrence Taylor. I really thought you were going to say that uh, you knew which way Joe Theismann was going to lean, but that would have been a little little too uh grotesque on We're the nose on. Yeah. yeah 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 scott give me your opinion i made my decision based on just two factors the first one being that i did i can't not vote for emmett smith but then vote for walter payton i didn't i voted against emmett smith i have to vote against walter payton and second and more importantly Lawrence Taylor dominated Bam Bam Bigelow in the main event of WrestleMania 11. <laughs> so move on, Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor's definitely moving on, and so are we. We have our last pick of the episode, the last pick of the round of 64, and we're starting this one off with Tim. Tim, in my opinion, this is not an easy pick. Tim, are you going with the two-seat of Peyton Manning? or the 15th seat of LaDainian Tomlinson? This one's kind of interesting because we've talked about a lot about um, how this is a quarterback-dominant uh, sport where, where it's kind of unevenly weighted towards the quarterback. Um, but... My, my, I mean, my, my vote is for the higher seed. It's for the forehead. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's for the newly inducted Hall of Famer who the goat was in attendance to watch get inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, it's for Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning picks up his first vote. Next pick goes to Jeff. Peyton Manning went to the University of Tennessee. Fuck him. I'm voting for LaDainian Tomlinson. Well, that is on brand. Mike, you're up. Oh, man, I feel like I should follow suit with that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, honestly, uh, one of the first things I thought of, this is weird, maybe, 
and maybe it's probably a little bit of recency bias, but I, I thought of, oh, LaDainian Tomlinson's on this bracket instead of Adrian Peterson. For whatever reason, those two are like, I think of them as similar until I remembered and I look well, I look back at the stats, which really jogged my memory about how sick LaDainian Tomlinson was coming out of the backfield as a receiver, like far better than, and not, no, no, no offense to AP, but far better than, than him. He was a threat in so many ways. I, you know, LaDainian Tomlinson, I think that he's a little bit forgot. I think um, Eric mentioned, because I, I think probably because I said it about Barry Sanders, quote unquote, retiring early. And really, he made a good point about the running back longevity, notwithstanding certain, you know, Cowboys players who admittedly had very good longevity. Uh, but the running back shelf life is about 10 to 11 years. LaDainian Tomlinson retired after 11 years. And I think that um, I think it was 11 or 12 years. And and his uh, he certainly put up tremendous career stats. And I I as much as I worried about falling into that trap of, is this too quarterback dominant, blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, as great of a player as LaDainian Tomlinson was, I don't think he was capable of, as some, as I think it was Jeff said uh, earlier too, uh, dragging a team <laughs> of questionable talent around him to fairly good prospects and occasionally even a Super Bowl, uh, even though he was also frequently one and done, uh, better than uh, than Peyton Manning. I don't know how far he's going to go, and I don't necessarily love voting for a volunteer. But ultimately, in terms of dominance, and we've spoken to it uh, too, I think Scott pointed out, 95% of it's on the field, but there's some off the field too. And Peyton Manning... really represents his era of football that he played in, in, in so many ways. And he was such a dominant presence on the field, but also just a little bit off the field too, that ultimately I have to give him my vote. Peyton Manning picks up another vote. The next pick goes to Scott. Danian Tomlinson was so good. I mean, Mike mentioned it out of the backfield. I mean, he, he could have played wide receiver. Like that's how talented just of a pass catcher he was. And then you just add in his just ability as a running back. I mean, the, the single season touchdown record, you know, when he had it back when, you know, it was broken every single year uh, for a little while mm-hmm. there, but just the, I mean, the, he put the chargers, I mean, this is a franchise that was what, terrible for, I mean, a long time right before he got there and they became a perennial threat every single year. I mean, Drew Brees is an afterthought on the chargers early in his career, right? That's, that's LaDainian Tomlinson's team. That that's who you game planned against. It wasn't, Oh no, Drew Brees might connect with Keenan McCardell down the sideline. No, it was, it was LaDainian Tomlinson's team there. He, He was dominating and, Man, just the number twenty-one and those and those powder blues. I mean, th- that was everybody wanted that jersey. I remember asking for that jersey for Christmas for like seven years in a row, and it wasn't just because Snoop Dogg wore it in that music video. Yeah, that helped. But I, Ladanian was he was so even at TCU he was just such a good player. However, the other guy he's against here is the prototypical quarterback. If you could build a quarterback in a lab you would build Peyton Manning. Maybe not the forehead. Maybe you leave that. Maybe you, you know, maybe, maybe <laughs> you leave that out. May, you know, his personality, it's not for everyone. 
maybe maybe a different personality, but just from the talent and the, and what he, he can do, he's the most talented person to ever throw a football, in my opinion. Just from a pure put the ball where it needs to be, scan the field. I mean, they invented the quarterback vision in Madden because of Peyton Manning. Like that that says it right there. I mean, listen, I mentioned Reggie Wayne earlier. Not the most talented receiver. I didn't particularly think that Marvin Harrison was the most. I don't think he was one of the five best wide receivers talent-wise during his era. And he made those guys Hall of Famers because of his passing ability. So to me, I mean, it's the most important position. We've all touched on it. And to me, I think he's the most talented one that's ever done it and the most talented football thrower of all time. So my vote's for Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning picks up his third vote. He's moving on. We've got one person left to hear from, and that is Tim, uh, Eric. No. Eric, I apologize. You're up. Um, I'm just going to – I mean, I Peyton Manning's great. He was, he's a Hall of Famer now, right? Great statistics, great quarterback. But, I mean, we can go back to, you know, if you're a great quarterback, you should have more than one Super Bowl. I know he has two. He really just has one. Um, the Broncos defense gets that second one. He doesn't get that. Um, Indeed. But the Tomlinson scored 31 touchdowns in a single season. He That's more than most quarterbacks throw. As a running back, granted it was only 10 years, he was the best running back in the league for, for 10 years, I feel. Um, granted, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to call it Tomlinson over Manning. I know it's not a popular thought, but I, I see it that way. Three to two, Peyton Manning is moving on, and so are we. When we get to the second half of the round of 32, the NFL bracket or the football bracket breaks down like this. You're going to have Tom Brady taking on Bruce Smith, Barry Sanders against Dan Marino, J.J. Watt versus Jerry Rice, and then Lawrence Taylor and Peyton Manning. Those are going to be some tough, tough, tough decisions. And our panelists, I think, are up to it. If not, we'll we'll just pump them full of liquor and we'll let them talk for a while. Listen, uh, if you haven't done so already, check out our friends over at the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast uh, and our friends over at Hometown Crowd. Thank you guys for your support. Thank you guys for being here and recording with us tonight. It was a really a damn good time. We made some good, maybe some questionable decisions by some of you, some of you. But for the most part, a nicely done job. Good job. Hey, listen, if you're enjoying the Boozy Bracketology podcast, patreon.com slash ptebb is your exclusive home for all of our bonus content. Uh, if you enjoy the show and you want to give a little bit back, that's one way to do it. The other way, leave us a five-star rating, write us a review. That would be awesome. Also, don't forget, find our Facebook group, The Lounge, fans of pub trivia experience and boozy bracketology. We're all there. We're all giving you shit. It's a good time. Come on over and say hi. But with that being said, for boozy bracketology, I have been Chris. I have been Mike. I have been Scott. I've been Eric. I've been Tim. And I've been Jeff. See you next time, everyone. Have a good one.